SF Spell Singers. My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flynn. And I'm Corey Janabagian. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink. Beer up. Welcome back, everybody. We are continuing our Commander pre-constructed deck series. I think we can all agree here that we have landed on the gold mine of Watsi approved pre-constructed commander decks. The goat squad. Yeah. We are covering the commander 2016, which was the first four color decks. These decks are very unique, very exciting. And if you get real stoked about it and go look these up, fucking expensive. These decks are Intensely better than decks before them. And they're also covered in bangers, just swathed upon it. Just banged all over. (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree that this was the peak in commander sets. So far. Unfortunately, because it's been three years. Coming on four, real quick. Yeah. Yep. Akoria is very, very soon. Yeah, and we're speeding up the timeline. It's not going to be in the fall this year. So. Yeah, true. They've Changing been things like a moving bit. it forward like almost every year. Yeah. And then they're it's, like, hey, how about five months forward? Because yeah, yeah. they know we want it. It still seems like a long shot, though, that they're going to beat 2016. And we'll tell you why in just a second. But these decks are crazy. So they set the bar very high. Before we get into these decks, because there's a whole lot to talk about, we're actually going to split this episode into two episodes. So we're going to have two episodes covering C16. But we've got some beers that we should uh, get a little sip upon. But before we do that, we want to encourage you guys to go take the survey that we have been pushing for the last few weeks. It's on SurveyMonkey. The link will be in the description on any of the platforms you're listening on. It's just 10 easy questions. We just want to get a little bit of feedback. We've already started restructuring the podcast. Yeah, we're kind of messing around with it, especially while the survey is live yeah, to figure out yeah. what people want. Kind we've of noticed that people like things to be a little bit shorter than where we've going, so we're trying to... Do that. Cut out all the rambling. <laughs> yeah. uh, good luck on that one. Yeah, yep. very, we know we're going to spend a little less time reviewing the beer, so we're going to try and be a little more concise there. So please, obviously, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, especially YouTube. We're trying to make that kind of our home base. We are at UED Podcast or Untap Upkeep Drink. Let's dive into these beers, y'all. All right. First one here is the winter version of the Barrel Age Stout from Mother Earth Brewing Co., this is the Four Seasons. This one is an Imperial Mint Chocolate Milk Stout. So this one is 10.8%. That actually does sound wild. It sounds like a flavor trip. It smells incredible. It's It smells really good. Drew was talking about he had a mint beer before and it was kind of whack, but this one smells super good. This is exactly... This is an Andy's Mint. That is how I literally I have a box it. of them in my freezer right now because we love those in this house. That is how I'm going to describe it, and that is all I'm going to say on it right now. <laughs> Alcoholic Andes, dope. So Corey, I got you a, a, a beer that's non-beer. This because, is a, a very interesting brew you have. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was in the liquor store in Utah, and it looked like somebody had put something that didn't belong into the beer section, and I said, "Oh, I'll grab that. That looks like a funny can." I read it, and I was just like, "Corey, we'll drink this." <laughs> Yes, I will. So this is... The clarity's out of the roof. (laughs) This is a gin and tonic (laughs) from Simplicity Cocktails, which are actually out of Rigby, Idaho. Wait, really? Yeah. They package for Salt Lake. So it literally is just a citrus and cucumber gin and tonic. I didn't realize I was shopping local. So this is the only drink I think you will ever see on this podcast poured over ice. Mm, It's so good. It's not as ginny as I like, but that's probably... What they had to do to... So they cut down on the Weasley factor? Yeah, just to make it a 6% um, cocktail in a can. Yeah, which is a, a bummer, but... Yeah, but I a- do I do like very botanical gins, but the tonic is good. It's really refreshing. I think it, it needs some lime. It says citrus cucumber. The cucumber is very, very forward heavy. I look forward to tasting it. I was going to say, that sounds good. Yeah, it's, it's very refreshing. Uh, and last, but certainly not least, uh, you might see this on Drew's Brews on Instagram. This is one that I had a while ago, and uh, it was one that I held on to for as long as I could. Uh, this one is one that I actually got for Gary for his birthday, and then we didn't actually drink it. <laughs> record it for, we didn't record around uh, Gary's birthday, and so I was like, ah, oh, well, it's already passed. I might as well just drink it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I miss that. I well. do that uh, all the time. And so I had that sitting there, tried it, uh, and it's funny because like all of my roommates were around and 
every single one of them tried it. I'm like, oh man, that's pretty good. And while I was doing the the post and like taking the pictures and everything, every single one of them came back like, hey, can I try that again? <laughs> can I have that? Let me see that. Can I get some more? It's real good. So it's the Icicle Brewing Company's Dark Persuasion. It's a German chocolate cake ale. Jesus. <clears throat> and it's dark, but it's not perfectly dark. There's a little rim of red around it, so it's slightly, slightly transparent. <laughs> it's very much a German <laughs> chocolate cake. We got a little coconut, a little chocolate, a little uh, a little malt. It's very, very sweet. That is, that's delicious. Yeah. That's a smashable beer. All right, Corey. Why don't you dive on in? Where do we start? So the first one of these decks is the Whitelist deck, which was the Yidris deck, and it was it was kind of a chaosy deck. And then the next one was Blue List, which is the Saskia deck, and that was more of an aggro strategy. So the next one we have is the Blacklist deck, which is the Kanaios and Tiro of Melitis group hug deck. And then the Red List deck, which is the Atraxa proliferate deck. Shout out. Spicy. And then the last one we have is the Green List Brea artifact deck. And then we'll get into what all these commanders is and everything is right now. Drew, what does Yidris do? Uh, so Yidris is a big old wielder uh, yeah. of the Maelstrom. I mean, yeah, so the full <laughs> title. Yidris, yeah. Maelstrom wielder for blue, black, red, green. So all of these commanders... They are four CMC, which sounds great, but, but it's they're color. very, very pip-tense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they are very color-heavy. So, legendary creature, Ogre. Which I did not know he was an Ogre. Dope. And he's got four arms. He's fucking badass. Yeah, he's dude. crazy. <laughs> uh, so, five, four with Trample. Whenever Yidris deals combat damage to a player, as you cast spells from your hand this turn, they gain Cascade. So, if you don't know what Cascade is, when you cast this spell... Exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card that costs less. You may cast it without paying its mana cost. Put the exile cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. So importantly, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. So cascade triggers cascade upon themselves, which yeah. is fucking crazy, man. Yeah, <laughs> floating right around the thing had a like meme ages ago. I don't know if it still exists, but it's just like, and then they cascaded into a blood braid elf, which has cascade. So it's like <laughs> Cascading into a four drop that's a very good creature that also has cascade. So yeah, it, it basically Rough. means you play a four drop and you get a three drop or less for free. So it's the sub or the nickname for this deck was Chaos, rightly so, because you can just cascade into who knows what. Yeah. Idris. Very powerful, in my opinion. Yeah, I was gonna say pretty strong, but yeah, yeah, agreed. All right. The next one we've got is Saskia the Unyielding. Black, red, green, and white for a 3-4 legendary creature human soldier. She's got a fucking giant axe. She's badass. Oh, yeah, she, Saskia she fucks. will mess you up. <laughs> She's got vigilance and haste. As Saskia the Unyielding enters the battlefield, choose a player. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, it deals that much damage to the chosen player. So I think one of the strongest ways to build Saskia because she basically does two damage. In fact, damage to each people is in fact. I, I honestly have a Saskia in fact build. That yeah, one out. that I was actually workshopping is um, Saskia balls. So you do like ball lightning and Hell all like all like yeah, the big dope. dudes, but and they just double up damage and do crazy stuff to everybody. So the next one we have is the blacklist deck. It's Kanaios and Tiro of Miletus. It is. Red, green, white, blue for a 2-8 legendary creature human That's soldier. ass. Yeah, so it's two Sorry. dudes that are one fours, and they combine to make a 2-8. It's pretty sick. Are you sure it's not like a 2-2 two, two and a... I'm sure. Okay. On a 0-6. just one big ass. <laughs> yeah, they got big big butts. But they read, at the beginning of your end step, draw a card. Each player may put a land card from his or her hand onto the battlefield, then each opponent who didn't draws a card. So it ramps you... And it makes you draw cards, and it helps your opponents out by choosing either. You or. get to draw two cards and potentially put a land every single one yeah, of so this your is, turns. This is the embodiment of group hug where you're helping everybody, but you're helping yourself the most. And everyone's like, oh, okay, you're cool. And it's a 2-8, so you're probably going to block almost everything. Uh, next one we have here is <sighs> just, it's such a fucking banger, dude. Like, every single time I see this, I'm just like... This card should never have been printed. No. It's unfortunate because this is the four-color combo that I'm most attracted to building. You're most attracted? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm most attracted to building. But unfortunately, every time you look up the Witch Maw 
color combination, the only thing you get is like how to build a tracks, uh, super friends. And I'm like, fuck, man, it's good, but that's not what I want to do. So, a tracks up, Prater's voice, green, white, blue, black. All Distinctly not red. <laughs> Which, I mean, we shit on red enough. Whack. But yeah. <laughs> the story wise on Atraxa, it's pretty cool because the yeah. four Praetors got together and Urbrask was like, you know, hey, fuck you guys. And I was like, hey, fuck you guy. He's the worst Praetor and he's Urbrask the Hidden because he didn't want to fuck with anybody else. And so he just kind of went away. Yep. And then they're like, yo, how about we just make this badass crazy creature, legendary creature, Angel Horror from Phyrexia 4 4 because naturally flying 4 4 Angel, it makes sense. Flying, Vigilance, Death Touch, Lifelink, Keyword Soup. That's it, right? That, that's pretty good for that's a 4-4. Yeah, 4-mana, yeah, 4-4 yeah, four I mean, four, four with all those. Yeah. At the beginning of Grand Step, Proliferate. Jesus Christ. So if you don't know what Proliferate <laughs> is, you choose any number of permanents and or players with counters on them. Then give each another counter of a kind already there. Yep, so I think... Plus some, plus some counters, Infect, uh, Experience Counters, Super Friends with their loyalty counters. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know what's dope? Drawing a card every turn. Nice. I like that. I think I'll take that. Hey, you know what's good? Give all of your planeswalkers a free loyalty counter every turn. Yeah, that's right. All right, so our last commander here is missing the best color. Wrong. Arguably in this day and age. And yet, she's quite strong without it. It's Brea Ethereum Shaper for white, blue, black, and red missing Good old green. It's a 4-4 legendary artifact creature human. When Brea Ethereum Shaper enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 blue Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. Solid. Cool. Two generic sacrifice two artifacts. Choose one. Brea deals three damage to target player. Target creature gets negative four, negative four until end of turn. Or you gain five life. So bolt someone, kill something, gain five life. I love modular stuff. Yeah. I love artifacts. I think we've talked about this a lot, but especially in Commander, where you, it's a singleton format and you have to make every card count. Modular your cards. Commander be fucking modular. Yeah, modular cards have so much more impact than usual, and having a modular Commander is just insane. And the fact that she can sacrifice herself, and Artifact Recursion is just a very strong theme on its own, and these are just good colors. Like, she's just built to combo, and it is just... She's a very, very powerful card. Now, another thing that came out of this specific set was quite unique and also very broken and awesome is the I partner commanders. Disagree with the broken, except for like <laughs> except for know, one pairing specifically. <laughs> yeah. But very, very good cards. Yeah, so I think this was this might be the most interesting mechanic that Watsi's ever made in a commander set because it has so much modular yeah flexibility like you can do so much with the partner mechanic well and what's so important about it is that they were able to really flex a hard beneficial mechanic that only affects commander players this yeah. doesn't affect any other format in the game it's specifically about what can be your commander so it doesn't really matter to anybody else in any other format and the so they could really put these yeah. partner commanders on a level of their own and make I mean make a crazy pairing like what we're seeing now. Right. The like, pairings, yes, but the individual cards, like there are some that are legitimately very, very good and that are played in other formats. Uh, Highlander sees play. Yeah. Uh, there was actually some play in Legacy that died down because it turns out, why would you spend three or four mana for a creature? Get out of here. Uh, but Power creep. Yeah, right. The, the partner commander is something that I was super stoked on initially. Kind of died down for me in hype just because like, Eh, you know, it's just the same cards I'm using over and over again. And then the more I build decks, the more I'm just like, man, I really wish I had, you know, that color or whatever. I wish I could, like, use these mechanics together. I'm like, oh, I can't, and I will. I was going to say, the more you stop building specifically around a commander, the more you go, oh, these partner commanders are really cool because I can fit in the colors I need and not necessarily need my commander to be the most important, impactful card in the deck. But also you can like build around an yeah. idea and a theme and just like, like, oh, this works for this. And this one just like helps me draw cards. So I can just like throw these two together and it works. Yeah, I think one thing that they did really well with these commanders is, is that they're all two colors and they stuck to the theme of whatever two colors those are. And so you can mishmash all these different themes of stuff that you want to do. 
kind of so reminds me of some products that they made later where you just shuffle some stuff together and it works. And So the first ones we have is a... <laughs> it, it, it is the best. So hey, the, these the are best. in the, the Yidris deck. The first one is Thrasios Triton Hero. It's green and a blue for a 1-3 Merfolk Wizard. You can pay four... And, sa- and scry one, then reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped. Otherwise, draw a card. And then all of these cards have this ability, partner. You can have two commanders if both have partner. So I think we've beaten this horse to death, but Simic does not need any more help. No. And How they about we give it some... printed one of the best commanders ever made. In Simic. <laughs> a in, mana sink in a Simic. that gives... <laughs> Card advantage. Yeah, two mana. With an activated ability, it doesn't tap or anything. So if you have infinite mana, you can draw your but entire deck, put make every land onto your battlefield. Colored mana, and right? Two drop. Color, yeah. Colored mana to make no. sure that. No, no, no okay. just generic. Like, <laughs> no, we'll make it four so it's better. Oh, yeah. It, but I can just uh, make infinite. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think as of right now, Thrasios Timna is tier yeah. zero. Yeah. Like, they like are the, the best, best deck you made because it's just Sushi Hill kind of shit right now. Yeah. So, but yep. that's that's CDH stuff. So, the next one. Woo. Uh, it's is, all downhill. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, also this still, good. they're all fun. They're all good in their own ways, and they're all fun to build around. They all have unique things, but Thrasios is just, he can't be beat. Yeah. Too good. Uh, but often paired alongside Thrasios. Another awesome one. Very, very, very good. It is Vile Smasher the Fierce. One, black, red. Legendary creature, Goblin Berserker. She's a 2-3, and whenever you cast your first spell each turn, Boss Master the Fierce deals damage equal to that spell's converted mana cost to an opponent chosen at random. I really, really like Boss Master just because it is just kind of incidental damage. You're going to not not be casting spells, and if you are building, say, with, I don't know, something like Thrasios, where you're building into Simic colors, and you have all those ramp... Or, I mean, even just in black, where you have some, like, swamp shenanigans. Yeah. Mana you doubles. have this insane amount of mana that you can throw around, and you start casting, who I don't know, Eldrazi or something. You know, you're throwing around big sticks, and big sticks hurt when they hit people in the face. Yeah, Vile Smasher is really dope because it's sort of, it's got that chaos element. That you're just like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to play spells, and who people knows? are going to take damage. Like, it's it, we're just going to be some crazy stuff. But it what just happens is you play big spells and everybody dies. I was gonna say it's it's got enough randomization to maybe take a little bit of blame off of you, but it's also got the power level to just start whipping shit around and killing people. That- yeah. What I really wanted out of Vile Smasher though is just to a player at random, but it is an opponent, so it's even stronger. <laughs> that would be sweet, right? Can you imagine that nine? It's like taking damage every yeah. time. <laughs> like it's like oh shit. Nine CMC. All of a sudden you roll it up and just like, uh oh. <laughs> See that would be balanced. But, but she's a she's a three drop, which is very powerful for these kind of effects. And I think another thing that people often overlook is your first spell each turn. Yeah. So you can f- play instants or flash things in and just do damage all cycle around. Yeah. yeah the last partner commander that we have in this deck is the Kaidel Chosen of Crufix, which we all know Crufix was quite good. Two green blue for a two three legendary creature, Human Wizard. Tap and add one generic mana to your mana pool for each card you've drawn this turn. It also has partner. So at worst, she's getting you one extra mana each turn. Granted, it's colorless, but in those colors, you're probably going to draw a lot. Yeah, especially when you're obviously putting this in the deck with Thrasios, which means you're probably building a card draw shell no matter what. So the likelihood of you drawing cards is huge. The likelihood of you making lots of mana is huge. As yeah. we said, Simic does not need any help. Nope. This is the reason, because there are so many cards that just exponentially grow. She's good. I yeah. mean, she's and just good. Simic has a lot of untapped <clears throat> shenanigans and stuff like that, yeah. so you can just keep tapping and untapping her. And yeah, adding four generic mana is good. Mana. Adding eight or 12 generic mana is even better. Yeah. So yeah. I did find it interesting on these... At least this one. I don't know if it, it works for the rest of them, but two mana, three mana, four mana, partner commanders. I think those are the best spots for a commander cost to be in. Yeah, so, I agree. I think, it, I think as a format, we've all drifted more towards lower CMC yeah. commanders especially, just so we can actually get our decks moving the way we want them to go, which is why Thrasios is so powerful. Yeah. And next one on the list, we've got 
Timna the Weaver. The best. I feel like we've already talked about this. But Timna the Weaver, one, white, black. Legendary creature, human cleric, 2-2 with lifelink. At the beginning of your post-combat main phase, you pay X life, where X is the number of opponents that were dealt damage this turn. If you do, draw X cards. And partner. Wicked good, y'all. Yeah, so three mana, start swinging at people, and then pay life, draw cards. Like, you're never going to say no to pay three life, draw three cards. Like, that is too good. And if you can do that every turn... I mean, we get stoked for like Phyrexian Arena, you know, pay one life, draw one card every turn. Pay one, draw one is already an incredible rate, and to potentially bump it up to pay three, draw three each turns. Yeah. Like the the drawback is combat damage rather than just like any damage. Yeah. So you need to do evasive creatures like flyers or just low to the ground things. And you're paying life. It would be really helpful if you could, you know, gain some life back. Oh, shit. She's got lifelink. Yeah. (laughs) Well designed card. Yeah. So I think. A lot of these highlights that we're going to talk about, they're sort of self-engines, and they they make the deck work. doesn't matter what the other 99 cards are, yeah. really. They're they work on their, own. on their own. Yeah. Yeah, so this is all part of the uh, Sasuke deck, right? The combat deck, so it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, next one we have is Tana the Bloodsower. She's two red green for a 2-2 legendary creature elf druid with trample. Whenever Tana the Bloodsower deals combat damage to a player, create that many... 1-1 one, one green sapling creature tokens. She also has partner. Um, sort of weak compared to what we've talked about before, but uh, still solid. I think the big thing about this, like you said, with the first deck, we went 2-3-4 CMC. This one's going 3-4. What's our third? So this is five. Our next one is five. Yeah. And it's Ravos Soul Tender. So it's three white and a black for a 2-2 human cleric with flying. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus one. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So it's just Orzhov. decent. Recursion. And Anthem. For free. And an anthem. There's no stipulation there. Yeah. It's just value. Yeah. Yep. Super, super good. And five mana for a 2-2 two, two seems kind of bad. And then you get regrowth every turn. But it's, in, especially in, in a combat deck. Yeah, I was going to say, in Orzhov, that seems a little weak. There's some cool stuff you can do in Orzhov, but being able to partner this with any other color combination that's going to have those really valuable ETBs could get sweet. That's valuable ETBs, man. It's it's everything. Like, yeah. Ravos is strong. Like, yeah. there's a reason why it's five mana for a 2-2. Yeah, and I think the the tier list for the partner commanders, it goes Thrasios the first, Timna the next one, and then Ravos is actually third yeah. most powerful in the rankings. The rest of them are just kind of mixed up because they they fluctuate a lot, but Ravos is, Ravos is he's always up con- there. Yeah, always yeah he's, like he's always good. Guaranteed value is always going to be good. Exactly, yeah, especially as a commander. All right, next one we have is from the Stalwart Unity, which is the No Black deck. Worst deck in my opinion. I don't even know what's going on, but No <laughs> Black? I mean, deck. come on, guys. Yeah. So this is the Group Hug deck. We've got Ludovic, Necro Alchemist. For one, blue, red. Legendary creature, human wizard. At the beginning of each player's end step. That player may draw a card if a player other than you lost life this turn. Interesting. So, you being the owner of Ludovic, we're talking about player other than you, and so yeah. they ping themselves. They, you know, take damage due to, like, Phyrexian Arena. They get to draw an extra card. Like, it's a super weird kind of, like, political card. I was going to say, it's another one of those cards that encourages a little bit of combat, but never towards you, because yeah. it's not going to give them the benefit that they want. Okay, for our next dude, we've got Sidar Kondo of Jamura. Another one of them guys we've heard about. Yep, he's a, he's a famous dude. So he's two, a green and a white for a 2-5. Legendary creature, human knight, with flanking. Who thought what flanking would f- come yeah, back? Why would you fucking reprint <laughs> flanking? So flanking is a weird ability. It's whenever a creature without flanking blocks this creature, the blocking creature gets minus one, minus one until the end of turn. So he's just really, really good at blocking because nothing will ever have flanking. But the most important thing he has is creatures your opponents control without flying or reach can't block creatures with power two or less. He's so this is, I was going to say, this is one of those weird nearly symmetrical effects that really affects the builder of the deck because they build yeah they build specifically to have you know power two or less creatures um 
but most people are just not equipped to handle the no flying claws or the or the no yeah no flying reach reach yeah so it's like I have no idea what to do in this situation all of a sudden everybody's creatures on the board at some point in the game become unblockable like, shit I can't do it yeah that's the weird thing that I always forget about it yeah so. that's everyone forgets about it. it's like oh I'm I've got my defenses bill I'm chilling. And then all of a sudden, I can't block anymore, and I am panicking. <laughs> yeah, you can't block anybody because it's symmetrical yeah, for because, everybody. Power yeah, that's what I, what I meant yeah. is that like it, everyone forgets that it is symmetrical, and so like, you can get fucked by it too. Oh, yeah, yeah, you always look well, at the no, star it's, condo it's only player. your opponents. Right, that's what I'm saying is that like you can get fucked by other people. Yeah, attacking yeah. you. Yeah, if you're just chilling, you're like, ah, oh, Siddhar Kondo, he's not too bad. And there's like, oh, shit, I know. Yeah, so no. all of a sudden, somebody has like a token strategy, and you, you know, Siddhar comes out, and you're just like, uh, right. Both of you guys are dangerous now. Yeah. No. Anthem effects become your enemy as yeah. a token player. The next one up we've got is Krom Ludovic's Opus. Three, a blue and a red for four, four legendary creature zombie horror. This is the first time I've seen this iron work. Just two headed wild zombie uh, flying and haste whenever an opponent casts his or her second spell each turn draw a card also with partner so you're punishing people for casting them spells uh, that, this one seems a little more situational and not quite as strong but it could be cool yeah I do like the flavor because it's Ludovic and then uh, Krom yeah which yeah. the opus is like the, the best creation that yeah can. and you can see him working on Krom in his artwork and then Krom is flying around, messing stuff up. But Krom is very limited because it's only when they cast their second spell, so they need to be casting more than one thing. But And you only get to draw one card. Right. And it is opponents. Yeah. And it is each turn. That's true. But usually people can figure out a way around it. I was going to say, it's, it's just dependent upon other people's, and once they see it's yeah. out there, it is easier to play against. But again, it's kind of like some of the other cards we've talked about in previous episodes. Sometimes just forcing people to only play one spell per turn is pretty fucking good. Yeah. yeah. It's the reverse werewolf, which I always find yeah. pretty amusing. Yeah. I just, I'm upset because sometimes he'll come out and then literally never do anything. Oh, yeah. yeah I, uh, and that's I've, that's never yeah. good. I've, I've put him in a deck and immediately was like, uh, yes, there's this other partner command that actually might do something. So I choose you. Yeah. My favorite thing about Ludovic and Krom are that a lot of people make Rick and Morty decks where oh, Ludovic is Rick and Krom is Morty. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. No, like oh, geez, Rick. <laughs> okay. Right, what's next? Our next one, super dope. She's really great. This is the next one. Deck, of, one of my favorite ones. This yes. one so is this literally- one is the Trax deck. Yeah, this one is one that is in the works for me for a four-color deck I've been working on. So this is Rayhan, last of the Opson. One, black, green. Legendary creature, human warrior for a zero-zero. Rayhan, last of the Opson, enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on him. Nice. Whenever a creature you control dies or is put into the command zone, if it had one or more plus one plus one counters on it, you may put that many plus one plus one counters on target creature. With partner. Sounds good. Sounds cool. I would agree. Trade counters all around. Sacrifice creatures. Put them on other things. Wait until you get, you know, your big creature out. Boom, play that. Play everything for free. You win. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Abzan, or it feeds into Abzan, like aristocrat counter weird Outlast stuff. Yeah, because yeah. you're just, you're moving things around so much that it's really hard to, like, evaluate what's the threat when Abzan or Rayhan is out. Because... So you can just put 20 counters on one thing and then you're dead. And it's like, oh shit, well, I did And it's not hard to see it coming that. sometimes. Yeah, just like exactly. You, like, board wipe. Oh, wait, that thing has indestructible. Uh-oh. And there's a stockpile in there and then when something else dies, I'm just going to move things around. Um, speaking of plus one, plus one counters, the next one in this deck is also one that's on a partner commander build of mine that I'd like to purchase in the near future. <laughs> that's Ishai, Ojutai Dragon Speaker. Two... White and a blue for a 1-1 one, one legendary creature bird monk with flying. Not bird wizard. No, not a wizard. So. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Ishai, Ojutai, Dragon Speaker. Also has partner. Seems very familiar for some reason. Like a card that, you know, people play in Commander to just... Uh, George? The Man of Georgia? The Man of Georgia. Oh, uh, yeah. Or the Forgotten Ancient... 
Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good things. One of the guys I play with at the shop has a, it's an Ishai and an Ikrishidiki deck, which is the next partner we're going to get into. But it's just a Voltron Ishai deck. And so all he does is play Ishai and then just control until he can kill you and swing out. That's cool. So it's it's like a Voltron, four color Voltron Ishai deck. It's pretty it's pretty gnarly. See, this one's a lot better than Krom, in my opinion, in that it is stipulative on your opponent's uh but it's actions, but it's guaranteed. They're not gonna not cast spells. You don't have to uh limit them to just one. Every time they cast a spell, you're getting plus one, plus one. Counts. Yeah, and so this one's a little a little easier to to tick up. Yeah, it's it's a little slow to get going because it's a four mana one one. But yeah. once it gets going, it's a beast. Yeah, people who know about Mana Gorger Hydra. Oh yeah, because you they, can, they know how powerful that you can just suit it is. up, and you're like, I literally can't do anything about it. Yeah, just a giant trampley beast. It's like it's not worth blocking because then I just lose creatures for no reason, and that's a lot of damage you take. And I can't not cast spells, so. I guess I'll try and play the game and then lose. Yeah. I'm going to try and be as as innocuous as possible <laughs> so you don't attack me. Yeah. Hey, look, he's very threatening over here. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, so the other partner for that deck was Ikrishidiki the Usurper. Who's up? It's three, a black, and a green for a 3-7 legendary creature Naga Wizard with Menace. Big old booty. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you gain life equal to that creature's toughness. And so this feeds really well into that Voltron strategy because you just have Ikra Shidiki out, swing with a 10-10 Ishai or something. And basically it's just life. Gain, gain 10 life because you're never going to block. It's because you're always chilling. And so you just keep gaining life and all this stuff. Ikra Shidiki's okay. She's very... Situational again, though, she on her cares, own, cares about big okay. booties. But yeah. as a partner, you can really create some crazy, weird, yeah. unique synergies. Man, if only she could like be that. played in the uh, big booty deck, yeah, you know, right? It's like they strategically designed it so that she wouldn't work. I mean, she can get she can be played in Doran, but oh, not in Arcades. So, oh, yeah, true. So, like we've said, there's a lot of crazy, weird things you can do with a lot of these commanders, and that that is why I think. This mechanic and these cards are some of the best cards Wizards ever printed for the Commander product. All right, next up, we've got the Invent Superiority deck. We've got Akiri Line Slinger. It's our first Boros partner, Commander. Red and a white for a 0-3 legendary creature core soldier ally. First Allies are back. Oh, no. Ooh. First strike and vigilance. Akiri Line Slinger gets plus one plus zero for each artifact you control. And has partner. Very, <laughs> very meh. Very, very meh, but also, hey, I just generated a thousand thopters and now you're dead. The, yes, but in Boros? But not. Boros, but not. Remember, partner. That's the thing. That is that is the only reason why a lot of these cards are saved, because you can team up with yeah. good colors. <laughs> uh, such as Silas Wren, Seeker Adept. One of my favorite cards of the partner cycle. This is Yeah, this is a bang. One blue, black, legendary artifact creature, human, death touch, to do, and whenever Silas Friend Seeker Adept deals combat damage to a player, choose target artifact in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. So, at this point, we have Emery, which kind of does the same thing but better. But before that, we had this guy. No one's ever gonna block a 2 2 with Death Touch, like I could take two damage, it's chill. And so you're what can you really do? Almost always gonna get the artifact cast, and it is a very powerful effect. Yeah. Uh, I really love Emery, and I didn't really associate, you know, Emery with Silas Wren, and Silas Wren is one of my favorite ones of these, and now I I see why. Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. Emery easily goes into this deck because it's just artifact recursion and just stuff like that, which you're probably already going to do no matter what kind of artifact theme you're going to play, and he's a very, very powerful card to do it with. Yeah, he... Man, this, there's so many, like, just dumb things you can do with him. The The only balancing is that he doesn't cheat in a play. You still have to cast it. But at the same time, still it's good. artifacts. You can make a lot of mana. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. The last one we have is Bruce Tarl, Boorish Herder. Big old Bruce. Big old Bruce. So he's two, a red and a white for a 3-3 legendary creature human ally. Another one. 
Only Boros, yeah. yeah. Whenever Bruce Tarl Boorish Herder enters the battlefield or attacks, target creature you control gains double strike and lifelink until end of turn. That's pretty powerful. Dope, dope. But it's only when he comes in. Or attacks. Or attacks. And you only give it to one thing. So you get a swing with him often. Yeah, and so you either have to suit him up and make it so he doesn't die so you can keep getting these triggers. Or? Or swing at the person who's not going to kill him. He's really good with exalted mechanic because he only... He really only cares about one thing attacking and he just makes the thing really good. But that thing has to be himself if it's exalted, right? No, he gives it target creature you control. But that's when he attacks. Or enters the battlefield. Right. Yeah, so, you flicker and then like Yeah, you'd have to it's, yeah, it's there's a lot of a lot of hoops you gotta go through. A lot of through. steps you gotta go through, and that's why these these Boros commanders, spoilers alert, are not the best. But like we said with the partner, you can link them up with other things and make them a lot better. Yeah. Now, as we said at the start of this episode, we are going to break this episode up. But before we finish on this episode, we want to touch on one of the most important parts of the decks. These beers that we haven't reviewed yet. Damn beers. (laughs) Uh, We're going to touch on the land bases. And the reason we got to talk about the mana base is because these are four-color decks. And it is fucking hard to pull off four-color decks, especially when we're talking pre-cons. Yeah, it's hard to pull it off. already have bad mana bases, yeah. So these decks actually did pretty well. But before that, do we want to get a, a final review on these beers and crown the, the champion? Although it's kind of unfair because one of the three of these beers is not a beer. And they immediately delicious. disqualified. <laughs> Alright, so I've got the Mother Earth Brewing Company's Barrel Aged Four Seasons. This is the winter 2019. This is the Imperial Mint Chocolate Milk Stout. I've already told you what it tastes like. Uh, I don't feel like I really need to go further into it. You're going to smell it. You're going to be like, hmm, that's nice. It's a little minty. It's kind of like, almost almost kind of funky. Then you taste it and you know exactly what it is. So right off the bat, it just smells like an Andy mint. And then the taste, it's literally just mint and chocolate. You get a lot of that malty sweetness on the back end. And it's so smooth. God damn, that is delicious. Yeah, I'm really glad they went with the milk stout approach rather than Something a little bit uh, like, yeah, heavier and kind of harsher. Yeah, you can't. It's like what ten percent. You can't taste any of the alcohol. Yeah, you kind of can. uh, Like after you've been drinking it for a while, because it it does kind of sit there. Yeah, I do get maybe because I'm also drinking a a darker beer. Heavy boys, (laughs) heavy. Yeah, I do get a little bit of that alcohol, but honestly, it's kind of weird how it like blends with the cool mint. Yeah, like it's all one mouthfeel you know what I mean like it's all that cooling kind of whoa wash yeah it's kind of like the the burn that you get from like peppermint or something like that like it exists God as damn. a flavor it's like the, the mint. mint is masking it and yeah it is in the best way that literally tastes like melted Andy's mints in a fucking stout and yeah. that is so good <laughs> yeah. it's insane damn it's describing so it immediately <laughs> as Andy's mint was like dead on it's not as good as like an after eight but the Andy's mint is, is, is good that's quite good yeah Quite enjoyable. Uh, Next one, we're going to go with the other beer on this episode. (laughs) Weak. I'm rocking that Icicle Brewing Company Dark Persuasion. It's a German chocolate cake ale. I've had this one. I know what it tastes like. But I'll give it another go. It's good. Obviously, going from the mint, you're getting very similar notes in the chocolate. Chocolate and and the coconut and the... But the mint is... It's not like really a stout... Uh, it tastes more like a porter. Uh, has, it's a bit lighter, a uh, bit more earthy. Like it, it has the chocolate, coconut, uh, and honestly, that like the the cake, like that kind of yeasty, bready kind of wheat. Yeah, but also flavors. sweet. Yeah, I think going from your beer to mine, it tastes slightly more like a porter. But to me, tasting it for the first time, it still tasted more like a stout than a porter. Just because it's very sweet. I'll accept your wrong opinion. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah, just the aroma, it's very coconut heavy. Yeah. Ooh, that's smooth. Yeah. You get just coconut taste at the beginning, and then it just fades in those those chocolate malty notes. Ooh, that's good. Pretty good. Yeah, you thought you had a good drink. Yeah, dude, this is actually delicious. Yeah. God damn. Damn. Yeah, this, there's a reason. This is a dessert beer. Yeah, like, there's a reason I mean, why my like roommates went back beer. for it. And every single one of them just, hey, can can I have another taste of that? 
Like, yeah, absolutely. This thing's fucking delicious. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I can't really get any harsh alcohol notes off of that. No, no definitely not. Nah. It's, it's just, only 6.5, so it's not super alcoholic, but even still, like, I don't get any. Yeah, it's just incredibly smooth, malty sweetness. Yeah. And last but not least, disqualified from beer of the show, but maybe drink of the show. It's the Simplicity Cocktails Premium Gin and Tonic Citrus and Cucumber. Out of good old Rigby, I'd be Any of you Idahomies out there, <laughs> yeah. you know what we're it, talking it about when we say shit, Rigby. Dude, you smell that, and that is like a cucumber punch to yeah, the it's, face. It's like a, a cucumber gin and tonic. There's very little citrus, which bums me out because I think it, it does need a lime to go with it. I feel you on that one. But it's And this one you said was six percent? It's six percent. So it's it's not as gin forward as you would think, yeah. but that's just how they had to make it. And it's it's not as fresh as you think if you just make a gin and tonic. Yeah. But it's still a really solid gin and tonic, especially ice cold. Yeah, I mean the smell, I feel like I'm in a freaking Greek restaurant. I mean it's just very cucumber heavy. It tastes like Fresh. they use like the whole cucumber though, not just like the the inner sweet parts. Like there's a little bit of bitterness to it. Yeah, it's it's kind of got, sort of got that wateriness from the cucumber too. It's got the rind, yeah, yeah. Exactly. that almost like a tingly kind of bitter thing. But it's not like man. I wonder if that's the rind kind of mixing in with just that subtle juniper. hint of juniper that you get from the gin. Uh, I'm gonna be a hundred percent with you. That is not my drink. <laughs> You don't like gin I've, and tonics? Ne- I've never liked gin is the problem. And so I was hoping that you were saying like, oh, it's not very much gin. I don't know if it's just the gin or if it's the gin plus rind, but it's that weird. It's not a, a roasty bitter. It's just bitter for the sake of yeah. fucking plant bitter. Yeah, I, I, I guess I yeah. I can't taste that anymore or maybe I've just grown accustomed to it because I love gin. Yeah, gin. Right. So this isn't ginny enough or like botanically or like junipery enough for how I like it, but it's still just a solid gin and for tonic a, in a can. Canned cocktail? Yeah. Like, like I was going to say, all the other that. notes were <laughs> Expectations are not very high. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's solid. Yeah. I'll give it two thumbs up. Yeah. I think that the minty beer was very unique in that I've never had a minty beer before, but I feel like there's a but. There's an ant. Oh. And the German chocolate beer, it's it was delicious. And the coconut and chocolate notes are exactly what you'd expect. But the I think the mint beer did a lot more for what it was going for. And it was a lot more complex because I'm not trying to downplay coconut stouts or dark beers, chocolatey beers like... But those are all delicious, but those are kind of the go-tos for stouts and porters and beers like those yeah. with heavy malt characteristics. And maybe it's just me, but I because I haven't had a mint beer before, so it was intriguing. This has been best mint beer I've but had. But it's I've never had a beer like that. And it was just like it wasn't like minty in a bad way or like an overpowering way. It just it worked all throughout the beer and it blended seamlessly with every single note in the beer. Even like the alcohol, which is like a, a, a bad flavor usually. Yeah. Like it made the alcohol part of the beer. Yeah, like I didn't even get any of the alcohol notes because it was just so seamless and it was so refreshing and crisp. So and you're so going to go with the gin and tonic. And so I had all those minty, <laughs> just malty notes. And yeah, I'm going to give it to the gin and tonic, man. <laughs> I fucking love gin. <laughs> but yeah, that Mother Earth... They nailed it. Like, I've never had a beer like that. Yeah, the second time I went to it, I thought, okay, it it was way sweeter than my beer, so maybe that's why I'm attracted to it. Let me pick this apart and try and taste all the things besides the mint. And when you really do that, there's actually a pretty unique malt body to it. Like, it's, it's not just minty. It actually has a really good, sweet flavor to the stout portion of the beer, hands down, Mother Earth, Four Seasons. That one is incredible. And I thought it was because it was just really sweet, which I like sweet shit, but it's not. 
it's actually just really good and complex yeah. and the malt is perfectly balanced. Yeah, I really want to try this Imperial Milk Stout without the mint and see what it would be like because the mint just elevates it, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a different one of the Four Seasons Sun and we will very soon have another of the Four Seasons Sun. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, but Mother, like they, they do good shit. Like honestly, they do. I'm going to go ahead that, and say that you're probably voting for Mother Earth as well. Uh, I, the best part about the Mother Earth is actually, like, it's not the mint. It's not even the fact that it's a milk stout. It's the fact that they've blended a barley wine into it that has added a depth of flavor that I didn't know was going to be there. And it wasn't until, like, I actually read that and, like, I started to look for those flavors. I was going to say, I forgot that it was there. Yeah. And those but are the when flavors. I was searching for anything other than mint, I think that's what I found. It's yeah. like, wow, this is an interesting stout. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on with this beer beyond the depth that I... I mean, obviously, first introducing it, I just said it was an Andy's Mint and I passed it on, right? Right. And that's not wrong, but it is a lot more than that. It's that on the very first drink, and then you keep drinking it and you're like, oh, man. Oh, man, there's just layers and layers, and it just keeps growing and growing. And you're like, damn, this this has some funk. This has some crazy sweetness. has all of these crazy layers to it. My vote goes to the German chocolate cake. It, it was is good. I loved it. Delicious. And every single time I taste that, I want so much more of it. The barrel-aged Four Seasons is delicious, but it is one that if I never have again, I will be okay with. Like, it's something that I've had, and I appreciate it now but it's not something that I will want to go back to. The Icicle Brewing Company's German Chocolate Cake Ale is one that I will want to go back to time and time again because it is so, like, it is exactly what it says it is. And that's not to say that the Imperial Mint Chocolate Milk Stout is not what it says it is. It is what it says and more. But for some reason, the the German Chocolate Cake, whether it's the chocolate notes coming out more, the coconut or whatever it is, it, it reminds me of home. And that's something that for one reason or another, it just it has that kind of like nostalgia. It's, it's anything really that hard can to bring your German entire cake. Yeah, anything that can bring your entire psyche to a completely different place and time. That's what you want, man. Yeah. Which, by the way, magic does that for me, y'all. Oh snap! <laughs> and and that it sounds like Second a joke. man, get out of here. I was gonna say it sounds like a joke, but it actually does. Like sometimes when you're playing magic, you're just like, "Damn, am I twelve again? What the <laughs> fuck is happening right now?" I'm comboing off like a fucking degenerate. <laughs> Wait, but really, we do need to get back to these uh, the land base, the freaking mana base, which I think anybody that had been playing these decks before, the pre-constructor decks, probably saw four-colored <laughs> decks from Wasi and went, oh, Jesus oh, Christ, no, this is what is happening? <laughs> but they did quite well. Yeah, uh, I think the, the first thing to look at uh, isn't necessarily the, the lands themselves, but the land distribution. When you look at on deck stats or any site that is going to distribute the cards based on the colors and the lands, it's supported really, really well. It's not like it's 25% across the board. If there's like a heavier uh, land color, that color is reflected in the cards themselves, right? Unless the deck has green and a heavy emphasis on the green and the support that the green provides. Uh, one of the things I wanted to note was that the... Uh, as far as, as far as four color support goes, when it comes to the basic lands, there's enough to matter. And what I mean by that is that there are cards that have like fetch effects, like evolving wilds, terramorphic expanse, etc., that care about basics specifically. And there's also ramp spells that care about basics specifically. And you need to have a density of basics that allows you to go get those to find those easily. But also, you want enough of them because a lot of the other multicolored lands in the decks are tap lands. So right. you need to have the density of basics to make up for that fact. Nothing right? but worse you, than spending three or four mana to go find a basic and not being able to find a basic. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like splitting your land base across, you know, like dual lands and stuff is great. But if you can't actually fetch off of a evolving well, it's just like, oh, rip. And added, added bonus is that they had lands from Rebecca Gay. And true, true, all true. sick as hell. Yeah, they're dope. Uh, the next part was looking at multicolored lands. What I loved about this is maybe it's because I have this like fondness for cons block, which everyone who's drafted cons block has a fondness for. It for cons. is the shit. It's super dope. Uh, but they have the tri lands. They have four per deck, whether from the uh, Alara shards, the cons wedges, and it's 
all of the ones that would work in that deck, right? The non-white has all of the the shards and wedges that would yeah would work there, and I think that that's something that it feels honestly kind of underplayed. Yeah, I think they're underrated because they come in tapped, but having access to three different colors, I think is it's very overlooked. Yeah, it's dope, and the fact that you have you know these these tri lands uh, really kind of like. Sp- Speaks a little bit to whoever was making the decks that they didn't just throw in like extra like tap dual lands or anything like that. They're like, no, we are going to have these specific lands because it's going to give you access to the most colors that you can. And this kind of like adds credence to the idea that I always have around these decks, which is that you will be able to play basically whatever spells you have or that you've drawn in a game. You may not be able to cast your commander on turn four, right? But you will be able to play basically every spell that you have. And that's something that, for a four-colored deck with the variety that they have in them, is super, super difficult to do. Like, even building a deck from scratch, having the consistency in your land base is fucking hard. Yeah, even when you have just... Even when you just have a little bit of focus, it's still hard. And, like, when... With these pre-cons where you don't have as much focus and they can still manage it, that's how you know you have a really good mana base. Uh, They also have on here the Ravnica Bounce Lands, which was pretty dope. Uh, the reason why I like these cards is because they are mana dense for them, right? Like, yeah, they are bounce lands. You do have to replay the land that you you bounce. It's a lot of work that goes into them, and they are tap lands on top of all of that. But they produce two colors every single time, which really helps put forward your game plan. If you don't need the extra color, you know, it's a colorless, it's fine, whatever. But... It helps cast your commander because it's producing the colors that you need. It helps cast multicolored spells, which a lot of these decks have a high density of. And so things like that really start to add up pretty quickly. And I think that, again, it's something that's pretty underrated because you look at it as a, you know, a tap land that also brings back another land that you have to replay later. And like there's a lot that goes on with that. Yeah, the next one we've got are pain lands, which are really good. Uh, these are, in essence, in a commander game, virtually free for the first half of the game. You get these out. You do have to pay a life for the colored mana, which you don't always need. But when you need it, you you pretty much have unfettered access to it. There's no reason not to play these. Yeah. It, right. It, it doesn't, doesn't come in tapped. Like it, it always taps or at least something. And yeah. you have 40 life. You got life to spare. You can yeah. always get a color out if you need to. Yeah, they're dope. Uh, and that kind of like ties into the next category yeah so the next ones we have are the filter lands which they're lands where you pay one and you tap them and then they net two of a different color yeah so sometimes the paint fixing yeah sometimes the filter lands it's like pay blue you can get blue 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 black or black black some of them are just pay a colorless get like green and white and so there's different kinds of filter lands. yeah i think there's different tiers because the the actual filter lands are really really good because they're like they're they're hybrid mana, right? Hybrid mana, and then you can get like green, 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 white, or white, white. Yeah, I think I think that's what you they pay are. a green or a white, and you get yeah. yeah, yeah. And then these ones, I think it's pay a colorless, tap this land, and then you get these two colors. Yep. So they're more budget and accessible versions of these awesome filter lands. Yeah, and there's also just like the generic tap lands that are just like uh, the. Life lands, I think, also from cons. Uh, when they ETB, you gain a life. Oh yeah, not yeah. like they're super the pseudo guild gate. Yeah, exactly. Things. It's like the the better guild gates. Yeah, uh, like they don't really matter as far as like that one life that you gain is not significant. Unless you have maybe like a pain land or something that you know you're <laughs> using that life for something else. Yeah. So that adds up kind of uh, quickly. And then there is the, everybody's favorite lands. Yeah, the any color lands. Yeah. Uh, we have. I have Exotic Orchard on the list. Taps for any color your opponents could produce. Hey, guess what? If you're playing this in a vacuum with the other decks, that means you can tap for any color. Yeah, I think uh, this is a commander staple. Oh yeah, a lot of sure. people don't realize it because most of the time when you sit down in pod, you're gonna be you're gonna have access to a lot of colors at the very least, color that you need. Yep. Uh, then there's Opal Palace, which also good. Super, super good, especially if you're playing in a deck that likes counters. And I I like counters, personally. I <laughs> oh, like... man. Yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, and then there's Grand Coliseum, which is a card that, like, I don't think a lot of people are super familiar with, but it's a card that I've been trying to put in decks more. Uh, it is essentially 
the best and worst pain land because it comes in tapped, but it can produce any color for the cost of one land. So it's City of Brass, but not. And then on top of all this, they still provided utility lands in each of the decks. The first one was Ash Barons, which is, I think, the first time that it was printed. Uh, but it's just a colorless land that also has just basic land cycling, which is dope. Like, hey, I don't want this colorless land. Let me cycle it away. Yeah, it was the first time. And then they reprinted them in Commander 2019. And then I think so, yeah. just they reprinted them a master set, which shows you how good they are. But they're just, those are also another underrated Commander staple. For sure. Uh, and then we had, each deck had like a specific one that I noted that played into the deck strategy. Uh, Yidris had Relicory Tower. No, no max hand size. size. Quite good. Yeah. Also uh, staple. <laughs> we had Hideaway Lands that were in Saskia. Deck that cares about like combat, attacking, uh, dealing damage, all of those things. Crabbing it was the three different yeah. Hideaway Lands, the red, white, and green, which I thought was really interesting because those are the ones that care about high power uh, creatures, dealing damage, like seven more damage for the red one. And then if you attack with three more creatures in the white one, you get the Hideaway effect, which is dope. Super easy to uh, get. Homeward Path from Kaneo's Interior deck. Oh, yeah. That, Homeward Path, it's a very, you never think you need it until you need it, and then it's the best land you have. <laughs> yep. No, that's a good summary. Uh, Dreadship Reef, which I think, again, is a pretty underrated card, but the fact they put it into the Proliferate deck it cares about storage counters. So you stack up these storage counters and then you, you know, bust the bank. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of these old cards that don't work as well get way better when you can proliferate them every turn. Yeah. yeah. And then there's Buried Ruin uh, in Brea, which cares about artifacts pulling them back from your graveyard. If you're sacrificing artifacts, Brea, maybe having a land that can bring them back, pretty decent. Yeah, every turn. So, obviously, we can see the... We did it. ...breadth of lands, and that's important. Having just enough land and enough color land and enough utility land to be able to pull off a four-color deck is well, it's hard. the fact that they put utility lands yeah. in a four-color deck and it works because the utility lands work with the themes of the deck. And the decks have like anywhere from, I think, 36 to 40 lands, which is like 36 lands in a four-color deck is, in my opinion, like kind of bold. Like that's not that many lands no. for a deck that needs a wide variety of lands. And the fact that they pull them off so well is a tribute not only to Watsi, especially to Watsi, but also just to the state of the game at that time. True. And I think it's only kind of uh, gone downhill since then. <laughs> Obviously, there are good decks that they've brewed, but these ones really show the fact that the people at Watsi know what they're doing. And when they put their minds to, we're going to make a successful deck, not a successful product, they can absolutely deliver. Yeah, so I just looked it up and... Ethan Fleischer and Ben Hayes were the lead designers on these sets. And they actually did the, or Ethan did the 2015 set and Ben did the 2017 set. So they were just this sort of chunk of decks. I think they just nailed it so hard with this set. I think they, they learned from the 2015 sets in their just deck building and playtesting and balancing and stuff to make these decks. And then they threw it all in the trash. And then it might have gone downhill a little bit, but I think I think 2017 was okay because they did a lot of multicolored decks, which were, they were built well. It's just the themes. Eminence didn't hurt them either. Yeah, they were different. But I think these guys also worked on a lot of our favorite sets too. Like they did Amonkhet and Dominaria and the Modern Horizons. Like a lot of awesome sets. So I think we should give a shout out to these guys, but I think it's hard not to say that these were the best that Watsi ever did, and this I is the tell, standard. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say I will tell you right now, this is the best that Watsi's done. Yeah, like 2016 is the golden. So far, we're all praying for Aquaria, baby. I I I think it's gonna be so hard to top these just because they did four color well. They did. They nailed four colors. They nailed the commanders and exactly what they wanted to do. They had interesting mechanics. They had new mechanics that people cared about. They had not only the partnerism mechanic, but they basically gave us over a hundred different combinations 
of commanders and yeah. decks to mess around with with the part mechanic. And like, we haven't even talked about the cards in the deck. Yeah, it's insane. Like we've we've talked about. Maybe, this is why we're splitting maybe up this episode. Fifteen cards in each deck, like yeah. max, <laughs> just lands, partners, and the commanders. Which is why I think this is a good spot to stop here. Obviously, we don't condone drinking or driving or drinking underage. Gotta say that. We don't want anybody being stupid out there. No, no. Uh, but if you are enjoying a brew with us on these episodes, please let us know on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, what you drinking? Or YouTube. Yeah, what you drinking, bro? Let me know if you Send like gin. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's wanna, see the gin. I want, I want all those fans. fellow gin, gin drinkers out there. Corey, no. I like gin. That's one. There you Gary, go. Garyan's a, a thumbs down, but yeah. I got one thumbs up. <laughs> but uh, we will see you guys next week for the closing of this commander 2016 product there obviously is a lot to talk about we'll get really in depth with these cards and uh until then as we like to say on this podcast have fun get yourself some dessert beer oh buddy And I'm Corey Jabagangian. <laughs> 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 <laughs>